You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. We are about to break the surly bonds of gravity and punch the face of God. I wish I was a little Left taller, Jab Productions present Edge of Sports bit, Radio, I where sports and politics collide. And now your host, Dave Zarn. The Schmada Kid. Boom! Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. This is most definitely not Dave Zyron. DZ is on the road making big things happen. I am alongside Mark Berry today. Yeah. Mean Mark Berry, just that the, we all know. Just just the two of us this week. Just the two of us. Probably should have had that song going, but you know what? We got a lot of stuff it's to talk all, it's, about It's this like week. you could edit it or something, but it's I okay. Might be able to, might <laughs> be able to. But more importantly, Mark, I heard that Chip Kelly might be interested in trading for you soon. I am white. And I've heard I've heard that he's possibly a racist, so I think that I I, I think I fit all the qualifications. You're you're white, and you know what? You you went to school in Oregon. I'm from Oregon. You went to this, school this, in Oregon. This is big as well. This is probably what you were trying to talk about, but I went with the white thing. It's okay. We are in the midst of NFL free agency. We're going to be talking to Nick Costas, uh, one of the feature columnists for Bleacher Report, also a producer for. Shine on Shine Sports on Sirius XM Radio. We'll also be talking to Ben Shapiro as baseball season is getting here, Woo. even though it doesn't really matter I until, I don't know, July. Whatever. You're so wrong. Baseball's great. Let's do this. But hope springs eternal. So <laughs> many teams have a shot or think they have a shot, and that's the beauty of baseball, even though we all know it's about the same amount of teams that have a chance of winning as in any of the other sports. Well, yeah. I mean, only one team wins, so... Yeah, but just realistically, well, I think I think other sports get a bad rap, and everyone's like, "Oh, look, baseball is so much parody! Oh my god, oh my god!" But it's the same amount of teams. There's a handful of teams: the NFL, the MLB, NHL, NBA. All those. There's only a handful of teams actually have a legitimate shot going into every single season of Kansas, winning. Kansas City Royals, man, just keep it going. It happens. It Kansas happens. City Royals. Yeah. Ben Shapiro will tell us if we're crazy or not. If Mark's crazy or not. If he thinks that. Kansas City is actually a team that could win it all. There's a ton of teams. We will have Dave also colonying from the road, going to talk to us about a whole bunch of stuff. The NBA looking to do something with their age restriction for draft, which would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, Players need a little bit more time. People, uh, GMs, things like that, people running NBA teams will have a little bit more time to make better decisions. Everyone makes a better decision, and we'll have less people out of jobs, right? Theoretically? I may may have other things to say, but that's fine. We'll get there. We'll get there. We will get there. You can follow us. Well, you can follow Dave at Edge of Sports on Twitter. This is Edge of Sports Radio. We'll be back right after this with the man himself. 
Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. We'll return after this. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom! We are back here on Edge of Sports Radio. Again, this is not Dave Zirin. This is DC Dan. We're running the show today with my man, Mark Berry. How you doing, Mark? I'm doing great. How are you? Still doing great. Still doing great. As promised, we do have the man of the hour, your favorite host on Edge of Sports Radio, Dave Zirin, calling in from the road. Never takes a day off. We know he's out there on the road working hard. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. How you doing out there? Ah, uh, boom. I'm here in Austin, Texas. <laughs> it is what it is. Longhorn country. But all that being said, I really did want to call in because this has been a really remarkable re- week at the intersection of sports and politics. And because we know that the sports news landscape can just move like a laser pointer on the ground with a kitten chasing it, I wanted to make sure to get on record with our show some of what we saw this past week. Well, I mean, the, the sight of seeing the Oklahoma Sooners football team walk out of spring practice dressed in black mm-hmm. with their coach, Bob Stoops, against uh, that racist, frat, viral video. And I know, uh, you know, MSNBC thinks that rap music is to blame for that racist frat, but that being said... Um, was just, I thought, a remarkable expression of that intersection of sports and politics. And then the killing of um, Tony Robinson at the hands of police, unarmed Tony Robinson, 19 years old, in Madison. And you did not see uh, the University of Wisconsin players do anything for Tony Robinson. He was not a student there. But you did see his high school team and the coaches at Madison East High School and the players and students all wear Black Lives Matter shirts to the next game. So this idea of using sports as a platform, as using sports as a space to fight against racism, as using sports to quote uh, Dion Long of, of Maryland, who asked that question at the start of the Black Lives Matter movement, where he said, you know, are, you know, are we thugs only when we're off the field or not when we're on the field. Remember he held up that sign Mm -hmm. at UMD? Like, that question is continuing to be posed, and I think it's a question that has a lot of power. Hmm. And that's what the Oklahoma Sooners players are saying, too. I mean, several of them have gone on social media just to say, man, that same frat hugs us and and kisses our butts and welcomes us into their frat house, and wow, this is what they think about us. So I just think that I know you guys are going to do a great show. You've got all the faith in the world in you guys to make it happen. But I wanted to just register these stories for the Edge of Sports record because I think it's an important part of what we're seeing out there right now. Yeah, I agree, Dave. I think the Oklahoma situation is just like it's it's shocking. And uh, one thing that's really interesting about it is how it actually it moved from just the the news cycle to actually affecting the football team because before the reason that Oklahoma had to come out so strongly against it is because in the wake of the the video a four-star recruit decommitted from the university claiming that this mm-hmm. that I mean that's huge I mean uh, in the it's like in this situation there are lots of these things where people can kind of like tut tut and like uh, just really just all wring our hands saying saying how terrible it is but when it actually affects the football team that's when really things have to happen like this well it started with one of the players themselves mm. uh, putting a vine up, just telling them, like telling that fraternity to go F itself. Mm. And then you've got the player decommitting. And then you've got the football players holding an impromptu press conference saying that they wanted to use this as an opportunity 
and I'm actually loosely quoting this here, they said, to not only confront um, racism on campus, but also he said, and this is a black player said this with a white player standing white ne- right next to him, saying the grievances we have as a football team in terms of how we're treated. And then, isn't that interesting, Bob Stoops marches with them and cancels spring practice. Yeah. Now, I mean, someone asked me that on Twitter. They said, how much of this of Bob Stoops' principle and how much of this from Bob Stoops is because he really cares? And my answer was, does it really matter? <laughs> I mean, the fact that he did it is what's important. I, I don't can think Bob Stoops is going to have any civil rights uh, statues named after him anytime soon. But, you know, feeling the pressure makes people in power act. That just should always be celebrated. And coming out today, uh, relatively breaking news, the football team isn't going to practice, but instead will be holding a silent protest. And, Dave, all of this happening right around the 50th anniversary of the, of the March on Selma. If anything, that created, I thought, a tableau which shows, honestly, like how out of touch the Obama administration really has been with this Black Lives Matter movement. Because you have this you know, incredible gathering of people at Selma, you have this crossing of the bridge, you have this ceremony, and as the ceremony is going on, Tony Robinson is shot dead in Madison. People are taking to the streets. I mean, and it's just like this idea that, like, okay, this is not a museum piece. This is not about celebrating how far as a nation we have come. I mean, this is about recognizing in real time how far we have to go. Getting back to something between the lines, and NFL, we're not going to talk about free agency with you, but Patrick Willis, among a few players who yeah. have retired from professional football, seemingly uh, to the shock of everyone, so, yes, Patrick Willis has had some injuries recently to deal with, but, I mean, this guy is quite possibly the best player that was drafted uh, in 2007 when he came into the league. One of the best linebackers, you know, uh, in in the last decade or so, and just retiring seemingly in good health with tons of money being left on the table and a couple other players doing the same as well. Is, is this something where players are kind of realizing their own mortality? Is there, is there a bigger issue here? I mean, I think just this whole past week, I was imagining uh, me and Mark Barry there just shivering <laughs> with overload, like kind of like when my kid has too much pixie dust, you know, pixie sticks. Because, I mean, all this free agency news has just been bananas. I mean, everything around, not just the Eagles and Chip Kelly, although that's been front and center. Yeah. If anything, the Eagles have overshadowed the degree to which the 49ers have just been stripped down to their core, mm-hmm. it was including uh, rumors about Colin Kaepernick being out the door. So just really, really fascinating stuff. Two teams that were borderline playoff teams a year ago and were playoff teams two years ago completely giving themselves extreme makeovers. I mean, it's, it's a wild, wild scene. Um, the one that shocked me more than Patrick Willis, to be honest with you, is Jake Locker. Yeah, absolutely. Calling it quits at age 26. It's like, holy crap, he just retired at age 26. And you know what I think is interesting is because, you know, I'm working on this Jim Brown book, and one of the things that makes Jim Brown a legend in the eyes of so many is that he and Barry Sanders are the only two running backs ever, and according to Demora Smith at the NFLPA, two of only five people in NFL history who just, not with injuries, just walked away and just said it's not worth it and left in the prime of their career with money on the table. 
with teams wanting to employ them. And I think this new generation of players, Patrick Willis, uh, Jake Locker, you can't put them in that Jim Brown, Barry Sanders um, category. I think every player that's stepping away now, even if they are healthy, has that concussion knowledge and has that thinking in the back of their head about how healthy do they want to be in 10, 20 years. So if anything, I think we've actually reached, call it a post-Barry Sanders era. Absolutely. Where it's just, you just have to say it. Like, I don't care if you're, uh, you know, Marcus Mariota and you quit in a year because you want to fulfill your dream of professional uh, stock car racing. (laughs) Like, nobody is leaving the game healthy, and everybody recognizes that that's an oxymoron. Yeah, I mean that, that that's really interesting, Dave. I, I think that that's very much possibly the new paradigm. A lot of a lot of players making that early exit, deciding that they want to keep their mind, their wits, and their body with them in the future. Uh, I, I I do. It's like, I I want to say I wish we had more time with you. Uh, thank you for for calling in from Austin. Oh, one last okay. one last quick point. All right. Because quick point is that I think that um, the way contracts are organized too, we're going to see more of this yes. because there's going to be front-loaded money, and then tons of players having to switch teams. And remember, that means uprooting your family, uprooting your life. And so if you've got your front-loaded money and it's like, Christ, I mean, I really have to move from San Francisco to Tennessee? I mean, people might just say, screw it. Time to start the new chapter. Would just love the look on Roger Goodell's face if Patrick Willis said, I'm retiring because I'm worried about my future and I don't want to get in the head anymore. I don't know what that would do to the sport or the league, but it would be fascinating, and you can bet that Edge of Sports will be all over that. Dave, thanks so much for calling in. Thanks, fellas. All right, that was Dave, our wonderful host. Love and it. coming up later on the show, Ben Shapiro and Nick Costas. More on ML, uh, MLB preseason and NFL free agency. One, one, two, two, Don't one, two, move. Three, Dave Zirin will be right back with more Edge of Sports Radio. Dave Zirin returns on Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Boom! Back here on Edge of Sports Radio again. Not Dave Zirin, DC Dan here with me and Mark Barry. Mm-hmm. So great to have you all with us. Just finished up having a great conversation with the man himself, Dave Zirin. And right now, we're getting into NFL free agency. It's been a ridiculous start to the official period where teams can sign players. And right now, we're going to the... Executive producer for Shine on Sports on Sirius XM and also Bleacher Report NFL uh, featured columnist Nick Costas. So great. He knows everything about everything in the NFL. And we welcome into the show now, Nick. Thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing today? That was quite the introduction, Daniel. I appreciate that, my friend. I will try to live up to your lofty expectations. Oh, um, I'm sure you will. And so many places we could start. I'm going to go with the big one, Ndamukong Sue signing that huge deal with the Miami Dolphins and kind of conversely Detroit filling that hole with Haloti Nada. What do you think in terms for Detroit? How do you grade them handling that whole situation? And for Miami, does this mean that with Sue and other pieces there, can they finally challenge Brady and the Patriots legitimately for the AFC East crown? Well, I think as far as Miami's concerned in challenging the Patriots, it all depends on the development of quarterback Ryan Tannehill. If Tannehill can indeed take, quote-unquote, the leap in year four of his development, then I definitely think the Miami Dolphins can challenge the New England Patriots in the AFC East. Because when you think about Tom Brady, for all of his greatness, his one foible is he does sort of buckle 
when the pass rush comes up from the interior. That's one thing that's proved to be proven to be his bugaboo through the course of his NFL career. And now you look at the Miami Dolphins defensive line with Ndamukong Sue in the middle, uh, flanked out on the edges by Olivier Vernon and Cameron Wake. That's going to be a pretty devastating pass rush. And I absolutely love the move by the Miami Dolphins bringing in Ndamukong Sue. I would say that Sue, one of the best three free agents since free agency started in 1993 in the NFL, along with Peyton Manning and Reggie White. So absolutely loved what Miami did, bringing in Ndamukong Sue. And as it concerns the Detroit Lions, yeah, bringing in Haloti Nada is very nice. You trade a couple mid-round picks to get him. Nada still an elite player in the National Football League. But now this signals a defensive scheme change. Nada is much better suited as a nose tackle in a 3-4 defense as opposed to a 4-3. So I think you're going to see a shift in defensive philosophy from Detroit with coordinator Terrell Austin coming up this season. And when I look at the Lions, it's hard to not be disappointed in the fact that they lost it both in Dominican Sioux and they're also going to lose Nick Fairley. Sue, their first-round pick in 2010. Fairley, the first-round pick in 2011. Some really poor long- and short-term planning by Detroit, allowing Sue's cap number to creep up to what it would have been if they were to hit him with the franchise tag. I just think that the Lions made a big mistake in paying huge, huge money to both Calvin Johnson and Matthew Stafford, thereby not allowing them to re-sign Ndamukong Sue. Now, is Calvin Johnson a building block? Is he a great player? Yes. Is Stafford a franchise quarterback? I think he has the ability to be one, but now they're watching their best player, the best player on that team, walk out the door, no compensation, and Ndamukong Sue now in Miami. Wow. Uh, bold take there. Well, Nick, it's great. it's great to have you here, and it's great to know that you know everything about football because I'm hoping that you can explain to me what Chip Kelly is doing at this point. The Philadelphia Eagles, so, so active, trading away LaShawn McCoy for Kiko Alonso, making the trade, swapping Nick Foles plus a draft pick for Sam Bradford in a huge contract, and then it seem, seemingly they've added Ryan Matthews, and it looks like they're adding uh, DeMarco Murray as well. Is this some grand plan? Does Chip Kelly know what he's doing, or is he basically building a fantasy team on, uh, on Madden right now? Uh, the one move that Chip Kelly has made that has really sort of given me pause was flipping Nick Foles for Sam Bradford. Now, look, I, I don't necessarily think Nick Foles is a world beater at the quarterback position. I don't, and I, I don't like that move for St. Louis if Nick Foles is going to be the unquestioned guy heading into what's a must-win season for Coach Jeff Fisher and general manager Les Need. But Sam Bradford... He, does he have the physical tools to succeed? Certainly. Would not have been the number one overall pick in the 2010 draft if that were not the case. But the guy barely sees the field. 17-30 and 30 as a starter in the National Football League. Missed both of the last two seasons, or most of 2013, all of 2014, with back-to-back ACL tears. Can Sam Bradford stay healthy? I think that's a major significant question mark. And if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, can you really go into what's going to be a very hotly watched season? with Sam Bradford as your number one and Mark Sanchez as the number two options on your quarterback depth chart. I think, to me, if they're not going to make a run at at Oregon quarterback Marcus Mariota at the top of the draft, and look, I know Chip Kelly says yesterday they're not going to, uh, I'll I'll believe Chip Kelly uh, as soon as he stops coaching in the National Football League. Because one thing we know right now, it's the lying season. If a coach or general manager opens his mouth, chances are he's lying. So I think there's a good shot that Chip will still pursue Marcus Mariota in the NFL draft here. But as for their other moves, 
Uh, I really love trading Sean McCoy for Kiko Alonso, especially if they end up getting DeMarco Murray as well. Alonso was runner-up to Defensive Rookie of the Year two years ago, obviously missed last season due to injury. Sean McCoy's cap number, guys, is now $16 million this season with the Buffalo Bills. Only 4.2 yards per carry last season. I had no issue with the LaShawn McCoy move that Chip Kelly made. I loved signing Byron Maxwell. They needed a cornerback. Did they overpay for him? Maybe, but you know what? They needed a big-time playmaker at the position. They got it with Byron Maxwell. So, look, I know that Chip Kelly's going to come under a lot of criticism here. The only move that I'll criticize him for right now is the Bradford one. I'm a fan of all the other moves the Eagles have made. Well, speaking of overpaying for players, the New York Jets pains me as a Patriots fan to see Darrell Rivas go and go back to the Jets, but that is a ton of money with $39 guaranteed million for that deal. And also, as you said, if you're the Eagles going into a basically you-have-to-do-very-well season with Sam Bradford and then Mark Sanchez as your quarterbacks, well, Geno Smith is pretty awful, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, that can't be the answer. What the heck is going on in New York? Yeah, I, I don't necessarily mind the Revis signing. You knew that Woody Johnson, the owner, wanted to get him back. And, you know, when you look now with Revis, they signed Buster Screen away in what was a very under-the-radar move, but I think will be a great signing for the Jets, the cornerback of the Cleveland Browns. They're probably going to sign Antonio Cromartie as well. So you look at now, they have completely reshaped that cornerback position. D. Milner will be back, the first-round pick from last year coming back from injury. So I actually sort of like what the Jets have done here thus far in this offseason. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a legitimate franchise quarterback in the NFL. We know that. But it is worth noting that his best seasons came in Buffalo under the tutelage of then-Bills head coach, current Jets offensive coordinator now, Chan Gailey. So I do think that Fitzpatrick is a somewhat viable option. I wouldn't want him starting all 16 games, but you could do worse as a veteran backup and a potential mentor to Geno Smith. Now, if you're actually going to surround Geno Smith with some weapons, and the trade for Brandon Marshall I thought was spectacular, a masterstroke by new GM Mike McCagnan, and you have Eric Decker and Jason Morrow, last year's second-round pick, can improve heading into year two at the tight end position. Maybe they make a move for another wide receiver as well. I'd like to see what Geno Smith can do, guys, with legitimate talent around him at the skill positions. I don't think the Jets will draft Marcus Mariota or a quarterback early. I think they'll roll with Geno and Fitzpatrick. And under Todd Bowles, guys, this defense is going to have the potential to be very, very good in 2015. Agreed. Uh, the Jets are a really super interesting team that, that might actually be the team that that, that, uh, that challenges the Patriots the most coming into this year. I did want to talk about uh, one thing that was interesting about the free agency period is uh, a lot of the, the mystery was gone through, these, through the four days of the legal tampering. So we thought that there weren't going to be many surprises on the first day of free agency, but instead we had all these trades. Uh, we had, it's like you had the Sam Bradford trade, we had the Haloti Nada trade, and we also had the trade that brought possibly the best tight end in the game, Jimmy Graham, from the New Orleans Saints to this uh to the Seattle Seahawks for a center and a draft pick, uh, and a first round draft pick, but a low first round draft pick for that. I it's like I was I was shocked and amazed. Is this what's gonna bring Seattle to the Super Bowl for the third straight year? Uh, you know, I certainly think that the Seahawks are in the conversation for best team in the NFC. There's no question about that. I would still lean towards the Green Bay Packers at this point. This was a win for both sides. Uh, I love what Seattle did. John Schneider, their general manager, 
he makes moves that are about winning in January and winning in February. What's going to bring us closer to winning a Super Bowl? Jimmy Graham obviously does that. Now, is Graham the same player he was two or three years ago? I don't think so. You know, hampered by injuries last year, not a great year by Jimmy Graham's lofty standards, but he's a huge target down in the red zone, a legitimate weapon down there for quarterback Russell Wilson. So I can't hate on that decision. And look, Seattle gives away a first-round draft pick, but this is a team ready to win a Super Bowl right now, again. So you give away that first-round draft pick, and you don't think twice about it. But I will say that I also like the deal for the New Orleans Saints. And look, the, the, the deal that Drew Brees, the quarterback, signed a couple years ago, taking every last penny, refusing to, to restructure his deal. But we see guys like Tony Romo and Tom Brady restructuring their deal seemingly every offseason to clear space. Drew Brees says, you know, I'm surprised by the fact that we had to trade Jimmy Graham. Oh, really? Surprised by that. Maybe if Drew Brees would restructure his deal and give back some of the money that he took from the Saints when he held them up at gunpoint, essentially, when the new CBA was being renegotiated, maybe they would have been able to keep Jimmy Graham. But alas, their salary cap is in, is in ruins, basically on fire at this point. So they had to get rid of Jimmy Graham. And if you have to get rid of Jimmy Graham, you have to get assets back. Max Unger is a Pro Bowl caliber center, 28 years old. He didn't miss six games last year, but he's an absolute stud when he is healthy, and he has been healthy for the majority of his career. They also get a first-round pickback. They re-sign Mark Ingram. Rumor has it that they could sign former Bills running back C.J. Spiller. I think you're going to see the Saints guys this year transition to more of a run-first power offense, take some of the pressure off Drew Brees. I like this deal for both New Orleans and Seattle. It's going to be an incredible season. This easily has been one of the most exciting off-seasons in NFL history. It's a league and a sport I don't think is really known for it, at least until the draft. I mean, you have the combine and that, but God, it's been so exciting, Nick. Thank you so much for spending some time with us today, breaking it all down in depth, all the biggest moves in NFL free agency. Again, Nick Costas, Bleacher Report featured columnist for the NFL and also one of the best producers in Sirius XM. Thanks so much for joining us today, Nick. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you. And when we come back, MLB preseason with Ben Shapiro. Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin will return after this. You're listening to Edge of Sports Radio with Dave Zirin. Boom, back here on Edge of Sports Radio. Again, not Dave Zirin. Maybe the next best thing, DC Dan here with me and Mark Barry. <laughs> uh-huh. Mark's still doing all right? Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm great. You're, I'm you're, great. you're close you're, third. You're, you're close third. You're, you're basically Dave Zirin. I, I heard you say that. It's fine. Basically, basically. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But you know what? You're still better than Coach at this point, so. I'll, I'll take that. He's not here to defend himself, but what, who we do have here on the line from MassLive.com, the Red Sox monster, Ben Shapiro, as we get close to opening day, baseball season's around the corner. Ben, thanks so much for joining us today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. All right, let's just get right into this. We're going to start close to home, as our studios are here in D.C. The Washington Nationals made the big, big splash in the offseason, getting Scherzer in that huge backloaded deal now they're pitching staff with him and Strasburg and Zimmerman and all those guys. Can they win 100 games? Not can they. Will it be a disappointment if the Nationals don't win 100 games this season? I'm not sure how much the 100 games means at this point as much as what they do in the playoffs. I mean, obviously, if they miss the playoffs, then, then that's a big deal. But if they get in the playoffs 
they've got to advance because th- this team has had some. This is a, a franchise that's had some very good regular season baseball teams and has had some very disappointing postseason runs over the last couple of years. They had the the tough loss, real tough loss, the Cardinals. Uh, last year's team finished with the best record, and and they they didn't do so well in the playoffs either. So uh, to me, this year's team is going to be measured uh, by how they do in October, assuming they do get into October. And I, I think that if they didn't get into the playoffs, that would of course be a monumental disappointment. But but ultimately, they're going to be judged on what they do in the playoffs. Love the shares they're signing. It, I, it makes me it makes me wonder though. I mean, there there are a bunch of upcoming free agents that Washington has. They, they've got uh, Ian Desmond, Denard Span, Jordan Zimmerman, and Doug Fister. All of them are going to be upcoming free agents. There's all this money put in towards shares. Is this very much kind of like one or maybe two seasons of going all in trying to get the World Series? Is this going to hurt them in the future? This signing. Look, it's tough for me to ever say that a, a player who signs a contract that large. For that long a period of time, at the age that Scherzer signed him, he's already past the age of 30. At some point, uh, if you believe that, look, every major league general manager looks at, uh, you know, they have their own methods for analyzing players and their statistical performance, and they come up with a, a value for that player, right? Uh, it's hard for me to see Max Scherzer earning uh, that that salary on an average annual basis. I know that it's prorated, but but just for the time that he's, you know, playing. <laughs> Uh, it's hard for me to see him performing to that level for the entirety of that contract. They're banking on him giving them, a, you know, great years up front and then hoping that the back end of that deal isn't a complete disappointment. You know, you hope that it's not what CC Sabathia is in New York right now or what the Phillies are dealing with this league. Um, you, you really, that, that's what you want to avoid. And, of course, those are two examples of, of why these type of contracts can be pretty dangerous even on a lesser level, you can go back to Detroit, and if you want to know why maybe they weren't in on Max Scherzer, you take a look at, at Justin Verlander, and since he signed that massive contract extension, he's been a good pitcher, but he has not been the type of pitcher who would have ever earned that type of contract extension. Moving ahead to what is probably like the, the feel-good story of the, uh, the spring so far, which is the, the possibilities about the Chicago Cubs. Uh, Theo Epstein came over. They've been down for so long. I mean, again, the, the remarkable, remarkable uh, streak without having a World Series. This year might actually be the year. I mean, Joe Baden coming in. They have the the John Lester signing. You have all of this fantastic, uh, fantastic uh, minor league club and Chris Bryant. You got Sorlaire, Baez. Everybody is coming up. Is this the is this the year that they're able to make the playoffs and kind of make some noise, or is it another year or two away? Look, I think that there's a lot of reasons for optimism here. I don't think that this Cubs team is, is a World Series team or even necessarily a playoff team at this point. You know, if you, if you want to, you don't believe me, just ask, ask the manager who, who, you know, ripped the team. I mean, look, the back-to-back-to-back to back to back home runs were they, – they generated all the news the other day, but it's, uh, it's Joe Madden going to the press and, and saying, look, this, this team does not play smart baseball. They don't play with fundamentals. Uh, you know, over the course of a season, you can't count on getting back-to-back-to-back home runs every day, and that's why you need those fundamentals. And, and I don't think this team is quite mature enough on the offensive side of the ball and even on the back end of that starting rotation to, uh, to really navigate to the top of the AL Central and then through the playoffs. But do I think they're going to be better this year? Absolutely. Are they on the right path to maybe breaking that uh, that that streak without a World Series, absolutely, but I don't think it's going to happen this year. 
kind of a little bit on the downside. Uh, we, we had you uh, Darvish and Cliff Lee uh, that you mentioned earlier that both appear to be moving towards Tommy John surgery. Uh, we've seen it be a little like more and more part of the game recently. Uh, we've had Matt Harvey, Jose Fernandez. It's it seems like it's either when are you going to have the surgery or how are you going to be when you come back from the surgery. It's so weird. Is there something about the game that that's causing more of these injuries or does it, is it just kind of more visible? They are better at detecting the injury now than they used to be. Obviously, uh, you know, MRIs and that kind of technology is always improving. So maybe a slight tear that would have passed uh, an MRI 10 or 15 years ago is now being picked up. You've also got what uh, I believe it was uh, Jeff Passan of Yahoo Sports wrote a great column about this. I think uh, yesterday morning it was published about how it really has a lot to do with the way pitchers, uh, pitchers throw. Uh, the the torque that the uh, arm creates when they're at the back end of their ro- at the back end of their uh, rotation or their windup rather, and uh, and on certain types of pitchers that are more prone to it, um, and, and there is something to be said for that. It's it is an unfortunate reality of, of of modern baseball. There's also been some studies that suggest that the emphasis on velocity, the emphasis on throwing harder all the time. Is, is forcing pitchers to put more and more stress on their arms in an effort to really, you know, make those radar guns pop. And if you're trying to do that on every pitch, uh, maybe that's causing a problem uh, or part of the problem rather as well. So there are a lot of factors, and it certainly is is disconcerting, right? Uh, you know, you, it's one thing on Cliff Lee, a guy who's in his mid-30s, to, to have to undergo the surgery. It's a whole different story when you're talking about guys like, like Matt Harvey and Jose Fernandez who are barely over the age of 20. Sticking in the AL West, the Mariners, I thought that, well, obviously when they got Cano, that huge splash, the huge signing, but now adding Nelson Cruz this offseason, giving Kyle Seager that huge extension, well-deserving, um, is this the year the Mariners finally br- break through, get back to the playoffs? And just overall, looking at the AOS, kind of the second part of the question, is that the best division in baseball this season? I do think the Mariners make it back to the playoffs. I don't think the AL West is the best division in baseball this season. In fact, I think that division has a lot of uh, potential problems. I think that the Angels with, with uh, have some issues as far as pitching depth go and, and some issues in the lineup, too. Remember, this is a team that's got some, some major holes still. Josh Hamilton is probably not going to be around for some some stretch, possibly a short period of time, maybe a longer period of time. Um, this is the first year the team's been without Howie Kendrick in a long time. So they've got some, some hitting issues. Even if Hamilton comes back, he's been a very big disappointment. Poolholtz has been good, but certainly not the type of player that you would have uh, that they, they thought they were getting when they signed with that kind of massive contract. So aside from, from Mike Trout, this is a team that's got a lot of questions on offense. They've got some issues as far as starting pitching depth, though, because C.J. Wilson took a big step back last year. Jared Weaver's getting older. And the young guys haven't really proven, uh, with the exception of Garrett Richards, the young guys haven't really come into their own. I think Matt Shoemaker had a fantastic second half last year, but it's hard to count on a guy with, with less than a full year of experience under his belt to really be uh, part, of, you know, part, part of the anchor of your starting rotation. So I think they've got questions. The A's, of course, went through wholesale changes. The Rangers are, are a team that's already lost their best starting pitcher. Um, I, I, will they be better than they were last year? I'd say that's very likely, but are they going to be back in the playoffs? Probably not. So to me, the, the West looks to me like a, uh, 
a tough division uh, as far as being competitive, but a division that lacks, I, I think, outside of the Mariners. I don't think the Mariners could be the only 90-win team in the division, in my opinion. And and speaking of the Mariners, um, with, with their signings and just, it seems like they've, they've done a great job, and I love it when you see a team build for so many years, obviously mixing with some big free agent signings, but they're really building to something. What's their ceiling this year? Well, I've heard people predict them all the way to the World Series. I'm not sure if I know the Royals did it last year, but in general, I tend to think that, especially given the length of the of the postseason, I tend to think that a degree of postseason experience is usually it's not needed, but it certainly helps once you get into the playoffs. I do think the Mariners will be back in the playoffs this year. I'm not sure if they make it all the way to the World Series, but I think we are talking about uh, the most competitive Mariners team we've seen since right around 2000 when Ichiro Suzuki and, uh, and company were, were raking up there in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, well, Ben, you are the Red Sox monster, so I figure we should probably pull it back that way. The The Red Sox look really promising this year. They've got some some strong youngsters, Rusny Castillo, Mookie Betts, and, and Xander Bogarts, these, and in addition to the free agency, free agency signings. You've got Pablo Sandoval. You've got Hanley Ramirez coming out to the to the outfield. Is this, is this a, a, a story where the Red Sox go from worst to first to worst to first again? You know, I think the team definitely has some flaws, but I also think the AL East has enough flaws within the whole division that, yes, this team could win the AL East. It doesn't mean that they're a 95-win team, but they can win this division because you can look at every team and highlight some major deficiencies. I do think the Red Sox have certainly have a lot of question marks in the starting rotation, but no team in that division is better prepared to make trades to add talent than the Red Sox because they have veteran depth and they have minor league depth. Um, you know, they have a ton of prospects, but they also have some, some, some experienced players who they could possibly put in a deal as well. So the Red Sox are in a very good position. I, I think the offseason signings give them just a ton of options. I, I, I think uh, this year, I think, I think Hanley Ramirez is probably going to have a pretty spectacular season back in Boston with, with, more, uh, with a lot of uh, support in the lineup for him. I think Pedroia is going to come back. He looks very healthy all of a sudden. Um, Ortiz, at some point, he'll get too old. I suppose that could happen. I'll believe it when I see it. (laughs) Exactly. After last year's performance, I think you have to give him the benefit of the doubt for now. Uh, This is going to be a a lethal offense, and and if it's anywhere even near a good pitching staff, then they're going to be a very tough team to beat. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds great. Sounds great. yeah, uh, just coming up. I mean, looking looking in uh, looking toward the season, there are a lot of teams that could be the surprise team. My personal favorite. I love the White Sox and what they've done, uh, bringing in Melky Cabrera and uh, Adam LaRoche. Is there a team out there that you see as your your surprise team for the year? It's funny. I, I like the White Sox also. Actually, I think that they're they're a great pick because they've got stability at the bullpen now. I love Samarja. I think the one thing that scares me is Chris Sale already getting hurt, but. If Sale, it doesn't appear too serious. If Sale comes back and it's himself and Samarja is the same pitcher he was last year, I think they've got enough starting pitching, and I think that offense could be uh, real tough. Adam Eaton has a leadoff hitter. Alexi Ramirez always hits at shortstop. Jose Abreu coming off uh, one of the most spectacular rookie of the year seasons, uh, you know, since Mike Trout, but still, you know, 30 home runs, 100 RBIs, 300 batting average. You add in Adam LaRoche, David Robertson at the closer. Uh, Melky Cabrera, as you pointed out, this team has a lot of weapons and uh, and could potentially, I think they have the potential to win the AL Central. 
And finally, before we let you go, real quick, running up short on time, gut reaction right now, who's playing for the 2015 World Series? If I'm going to do it right now, I'm going to go out. Uh, it's, it's not going to sound very bold, but I'm going to I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with the Nationals, and and I'm going to go with I'll go with the hometown team. I'll go with the Reds. You never have enough pitching, and you're never wrong when you bet on the Red Sox. Ben Shapiro, Red Sox monster <laughs> from MassLive.com. Thanks so much as always, and look forward to catching up with you throughout the baseball season. Absolutely, guys. Have a great week. Thank you. Dave Zirin will continue with Edge of Sports Radio after the break. Edge of Sports Radio returns. Here's Dave Zirin. Boom! Back here on Edge of Sports Radio, Daniel Baker alongside me and Mark Berry. Wrapping up the show, it's been so fun. We've hit the Oklahoma football team and their protests. We've hit MLB offseason. We've hit NFL free agency. God, so much to talk about. But you know it wouldn't be a show that I'm on if we didn't talk about basketball just a little bit. And the NBA, we might be heading towards an NBA lockout, as you said, in a few years. But in a couple years, the salary cap is going to jump by over $20 million. That's insane. I think we're going to have easily multiple players hit the $30 million a year mark. And I think it's great for the players. I think it's great for the league that they have that much money to kind of throw around. But, Mark, you were kind of worried that there might be another lockout, actually. Well, yeah. I, I think that, that all of this stre- all of this stems from the original lockout that happened last in 2011, where, I mean, at, at the same time, you had the, the football, basketball, and baseball, not ba- yeah, football, basketball, and hockey all going towards lockouts. And in that, they were able to uh, limit, and in, in the new the CBA, the player revenue dropped from 57% to 51%. And all of this happened while there was this huge, huge amount of revenue in, in the new streaming of individual game services that's going to happen, which is why all this new money is coming into the league in 2016. So I think that, yeah, the, with, this, with this new contract, with the, the new uh, salary cap, there's going to be a huge amount of money, big contracts. But I think that 2017, there's going to be a so there's going to be an opt-out. There's going to be another, uh, another fight about a new CBA. The salary cap right now, about $63 million for that 2016 season. It's going to be jumping to between 88 and $92 million, according to some sources for ESPN. There's yeah. another big thing in the NBA, which I think is going to help college players. For the pullout rule from, from the NBA draft, you're going to have another almost month to decide if you're going to actually stay in the NBA draft, which is just fantastic. I think that it's good, but I think, honestly, the people who are behind this, the college players that are doing this, the college coaches that are behind this, just want play, the, the players to come back and make some more money for the, for the colleges and for the NCAA. I'm wary. Players but, are going to be able to make a more educated decision yes, at this point. Yes. I Don't, 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 don't ruin it. Don't ruin that. I hate the NCAA. <laughs> well, for <laughs> me, Mark Berry, I'm Daniel Baker. Thanks again to Ben Shapiro, Nick Casas, and, of course, Dave Zirin. This is Edge of Sports Radio. We are out of here. Peace. Edge of Sports Radio, where sports and politics collide. Tune in next week and go to edgeofsports.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.